I am George Knapp listening to that UFO podcast and having one hell of a good time. I'd like to thank Paperlike for sponsoring this episode. Something that's always held me back from making more use of my Apple Pencil for notes is the feeling across the screen still felt like I'm writing on glass, especially when scribbling notes for podcast episodes. Paperlike have very much changed how I use my existing iPad and it's giving it a new lease of life. Paperlike is perfect for anyone who draws and writes using an iPad and an Apple Pencil. The surface of the Paperlike is coated using nanodots, tiny microbeads that are designed to add superior stroke precision when you drag the Apple Pencil across the screen. Every Paperlike comes in a set of two, so you'll always have a spare in case you need. I'm no artist either, but my kids certainly approve of using it to draw and doodle, and I can have peace of mind the screen underneath is completely protected. To pick up your Paperlike, head over to paperlike.com forward slash that UFO, click buy Paperlike and select your iPad size. From now until the end of January, Paperlike is also including their digital pro planner bundle at no extra cost with every order placed through the Paperlike store. Plus, shipping is completely free. Ready to do more with your iPad? Then head over to paperlike.com forward slash that UFO to get started. Hi everyone and welcome back to That UFO Podcast and what a way to end the year than with a listener calling bringing you, the listeners of the podcast, on to discuss topics around the UFO subject and things further afield. First up, I have Brennan joining me from Vermont. Brennan, welcome to the podcast. Andy, it's a true pleasure to be here and I'm I'm humbled to be on your show. I've been a fan for a long time and I subscribe on the, the Premium Apple Podcast and uh, again, thank you for everything that you're doing. Good plug for the Apple Premium there, Brennan. Thanks. Um, and do you know what's intimidating for me? We've been talking for a few minutes before I hit record. I like to do that. Um, you've got a better voice for this than I do. So you sound like the host to anyone listening to this for the first time. Um, <laughs> you, you've got a good voice for it. Uh, but Brennan, you want to discuss um, a few different things, want to have a bit of a chat. But you you mentioned to me beforehand, you're want, you're want to kind of discuss where they, these other beings, may be from. Is that right? Yeah, you know, I think what's interesting for me, Andy, in following your podcasts and some other podcasts, but mainly your podcast, is I think many of us, at least for me, I won't speak for everyone, but for me, I started out 30 years ago, you know, following or re- reading what I could, reading about Roswell, reading about abductions with Bud Hopkins books and Whitley Strieber and and learn more and more and more. And, and, and like so many of us, you know, we started out thinking that these were, you know, the extraterrestrial hypothesis, these were beings potentially, you know, in a, in a nuts and bolts craft from another mm-hmm. planet that were coming to earth to check us out to maybe do hybridization, who knows what, but we're, but we're coming here in that respect. And like many of us, I have, my views have grown and evolved over the years to, you know, maybe the interdimensional hypothesis and what have you. But to me, I think it's just I, I love to sit and chew on this, uh, this question, because I don't have a built in community where I live to talk to people about this. Um, you know, so I, I just really wanted to have a back and forth uh, that I think maybe other viewers or listeners would enjoy. One of the things that I think about often, Andy, is the Lonnie Zamora case uh, from New Mexico, from Socorro, New Mexico. And one of the things that I find so interesting about that case is so he he ha- happened upon this craft and these beings in the desert. They didn't see him coming. He had stopped his car. He had come up, and one of the beings turned around and looked at, Zam- at Lonnie Zamora right in the eyes 
and they made eye contact. And from what Lonnie Zamora said, that that being seemed clearly surprised, clearly mm -hmm. surprised that Lonnie was there. And so to me, it's one of those things where I'm saying, well, then why are they there on their own? They weren't there deliberately to show that apparently to show themselves to Lonnie Zamora. And then you have certainly you have other cases, whether it's the aerial school where they seemingly landed deliberately um, to show themselves to those school kids. Or you have something with the Nimitz case where they're right there being picked up on radar, being seen by pilots. So it's just such an interesting thing to me to see, to, to look at it and say, boy, different cases, different scenarios. But it's not just a, a simple thing of, oh, well, they're trying to show that they are here and to lead the way either in terms of our views of ourselves in the universe. But at the same time, it seems that they're also doing things maybe without the intention of being seen. And so to me, it's just, boy, that, that just gets my brain going. I don't know about you. Yeah, I think it's an interesting one because recently I've been reading a few different things back and forward. And people have the opinion that it's one thing which will explain it all, or it's, it's multiple things. And I think even if it's, if it's being, if it's beings that aren't human or non-human entities, whatever you want to call them, are they even aware of each other if there are multiple different beings? The idea that some of these things are from here, but not us, but then are we getting things from different dimensions? Are we getting things from different planets? And the idea is often put across from the mainstream, but also from a lot of people with an interest like yourself and myself in the UFO subject that they're completely infallible and that because these beings are so technologically advanced that there's a perfection about them and that, like you say, why would they be somewhere not expecting people? You know, why wouldn't they be surprised? Why wouldn't, with the Virginia incident, why wouldn't a craft crash and beings be scared? You know, there's a lot of different aspects to it that I think when you get into those sorts of stories, people start to find it too incredible because well these things coming from another planet would never crash they're, they're too technologically advanced and i can't remember who i was talking to recently but they made the point that what if one of these craft had just been back engineered themselves by something on another planet and that it was it was far beyond the peak of their technology but they had just somehow managed to fly it and they come here and it crashes mm -hmm. which again sounds fantastic doesn't it but why not um, why can't these things have technical faults? Why can't they break down? You know, as great as they may be, like, if you go back 500 years and you showed someone who, even if we had sailing boats back then or basic rafts, someone like a, a Boeing 747 or some F-18 fighter jet, and you showed them that technology, but said to them, actually, it still crashes, it's still got faults, we still have issues with it. They wouldn't believe that because it'd be so incredible and so advanced compared to what they have. And it is infinitely better, but it still has issues. And I think people tend to struggle with that. And like you say, Lonnie Zamora incident, uh, the aerial school, I'm glad you mentioned, because just today I was watching a documentary on the Westall incident from 1966, because I've got Shane Ryan on the podcast tomorrow night talking about that. And that's mm -hmm. very similar to the aerial school phenomenon, because the the craft there were multiple flying saucers seen a whole school full of children saw these local uh citizens normal general public saw these craft and someone reported the craft landed as well so you say these things are always you know trying to be seen maybe they are maybe they aren't it's very hard to work out i think it points to for me there being more than one explanation for all of this and potentially more than one set of beings 
that aren't necessarily all working in the same on the same team or in the same way, if that makes sense when it comes down to it, because otherwise the, you have to basically say everyone else that have different stories are lying and this is the truth, if that rant makes sense. No, it, it, it absolutely makes sense. And I think I think for me, there is I, I, I embrace not knowing. I embrace just coming up with more questions and not having answers. I think Jacques Vallée has kind of said the same sort of thing, where it's the more you look at it, the more questions you have. To me, I find that exciting. And and also with the, the Jacques Vallée, you know, saying, I think in, in relation to the Trinity case, that potentially these crashes are gifts that, that mm-hmm. maybe it, it's deliberate in some way. Um, again, giving us a little bit of a nugget of saying, well, here's something tactile, here's something nuts and bolts um, to, to, I don't know, maybe push your technology forward or push your minds forward in addition to the quote unquote woo um, aspect of it. You know, what's interesting for me also is, you know, I look at, say, like the, the Nimitz case, which we've, we've talked about for, for years now as a community. One of the things I find so interesting is, you know, when the, the Tic Tac went to the cap point. It's as if it knew, I mean, it knew what the cap point was almost to me, like, is that a time travel thing where it's saying, well, I know you were going to go there and I'm going to meet you there. And that's maybe potentially how that craft, those beings knew to go there. And so when you get into the the time travel end of things, it's also interesting because in in my home where I live in Vermont, you know, it's, uh, it's frankly, we, we experience hauntings in my house. And some of it is connected, I think, at least anyway, living in that in that environment to a time travel end of things uh, that it's it's uh, a situation not necessarily where what I'm experiencing is happening right in the here and now. But it almost feels like a record is skipping. It, it's like that I'm experiencing something that happened before. So, again, not to say that it's some unifying theory of, well, ghosts and, and aliens or, or uh, you know, UAP, but I think that it's. It's eye-opening to me in this this big soup that we live in, and I think that as humans, boy, we really tend to think we've got it all figured out, and that in 2022, this is the pinnacle of science, and we have it all figured out. You know, but again, it's like you know, 30 years ago, we didn't know anything about dark matter, didn't know anything about dark energy, didn't really have any you know proof of exoplanets that are out there. It seems every year we're we're proving that we know you know we've known less and less and less. But it is such a, an interesting thing to me, Andy, uh, just to think about you know the time travel end of things, and also the little nuggets that it seems that we're deliberately given here and now. And for all of our, our our obsession over the next report that's going to be coming out, you know, from Congress or being presented to Congress, and hopefully, a, you know, a, some sort of a version for the for the public to you know to, to to chew on, it's again, I think it's so much of the nuts and bolts stuff because I think that you know we tend to have a real sense of yes, this is real, this is happening. There is a craft retrieval program. We we kind of get that, and we like to see that validation and that sort of a report. But to me, I think that for the big, it's those bigger questions is when I sit back to myself and I listen to your podcast and I just say, you know, <laughs> what does it all mean? And I just, those questions just endlessly fascinate me, Andy. Yeah, I, I could go around all day and probably contradict myself multiple times. I think a couple of points then, because some good stuff, Brennan. On the first one with the cap point, I've always said from the, the first time I heard it, that the cap point was used multiple times before 
the incident where Commander Fravor intercepted the the Tic Tac. And that always made me wonder if these things were sitting there for seven to ten days already being monitored, were they watching the manoeuvres? And if so, is it more of a learned behaviour that they saw the cat point being visited and they just observed that the cat point was being used over and over and over again? And it was almost a communication tactic to say, you know, we know where you're going. We've been mm. watching you. So there's mm. there's that possibility. That's a little bit less sexy than the, the time travel hypothesis. But I think given what we're talking about, you couldn't take any of those off the table because we just don't know. Um, when you talk about ghosts, I've always thought the idea, again, if you, you talk about the idea of time travel, time manipulation, people using like old-fashioned radios, you know, and shout out to anyone who does listen to old-fashioned radio still like myself, big podcast fan, big radio fan, always have been, they they, they, they would mention that, especially on these radios that pick up long, long-distance communications, they can still pick up, is it World War II pilots' radio communications or old communications that are long, long gone just because yeah. these signals are still floating out there. So once that's created, it never it never disappears completely. It just fades in strength. And I wonder, are are some sightings of ghosts something similar? That at one point you create a frequency, an energy, you know, you, an event happens and a recording or a print of that is just left floating about. And like you say, it doesn't mean it's necessarily happening here and now like those radio signals, but you're just at a point and the the circumstances, the environment is right that you can access that and you see it. And that's where some of these kind of apparitions happen, not, you know, uh, in that way, potentially. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I, I again, it's, it, we just, we just don't know. And it, I, 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 I embrace not knowing I, I embrace it. I find it exciting, intellectually stimulating, uh, spiritually stimulating and, uh, you know, when I when I read um, by Diane Paluska's, um, you know, American Cosmic and living in this this house for the past year and a half that I have been and then thinking about the bigger, you know, the bigger questions when it comes to UAP potentially being here for hundreds, if not thousands of years. Uh, it's just the whole thing I find and endlessly exciting, uh, Andy. And again, I don't really have, I don't have, I don't have answers. I just have more and more questions in the way things are presented to us. I think about, you know, again, the airships, you know, or the ghost rockets and then the traditional, uh, you know, flying saucer shaped craft and then the, the black triangles and all, you know, all of these different things that seem to be slowly changing and then recent, more recently Tic Tacs, you know, again, it seems to be evolving along, along with our own technology. And why is that? I don't know. You know, you, or I, I read an interview with Emily Trim, one of the school kids from, yeah. um, from the aerial school, you know, and she, you know, she was trying to talk about the way the aliens actually looked to her. And she said it looked very old, but at the same time, it also looked very young and childlike. It was a really interesting amalgam of old and young. But at the same time, she kind of discounted it because she said the way that it looked doesn't matter because she almost felt that it was projected to look a certain way. So again, there has to me, it feels that there has to be some sort of intention behind all of this. And 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 what that is, I don't know, but I think you're really doing a, a great service to us all in, in, in moving the conversation forward. Well, thanks. One more thing I wanted to ask. I, I know you're you're um you're prominent on, on UFO Twitter, you like to engage. Did you mm-hmm. see or did you follow Klaus? It's at Tiny Klaus, and they were posting some stuff today. Um, on the it's from the NASA conspiracy book, 
and it was talking about that in 1968 they discovered a craft out in the new mexico desert and they basically realized that these extraterrestrials were potentially nothing of the sort and let me just caveat folks it's from a book about nasa conspiracies but just the the general idea they've put across here that they're not et and they have been here longer than us and they are from here and i thought the idea was interesting that was put across is that this planet was once theirs and they're trying to get rid of us and it made me think of all that lou elizondo somber those kind of comments and things um and that the species their their species was impoverished and from an evolutionary perspective they had genetic problems and ill health and while they still had some of their their technology that we see in the form of flying saucers and such it was very much they were struggling as a species to stay alive and stay and that's why they were trying to do crossbreeding this is what they found out that they were trying to get rid of us to take back over the planet and i thought actually that was a relatively interesting way of looking at that discussion that they've been here for some time that yes they're more technologically advanced but maybe as a species they're really on the decline and that last piece of technology they have is really all they have to try and stay stay alive as a species. I actually shared it with my wife at the time. We were having a coffee and I just said to her, can you read that? What do you think? And she was just like, hmm, yeah. <laughs> it, 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 isn't it funny? It seems that you, you either get excited by this or not. And we've talked about this so long, you know, that, that you talk about these things with people who aren't interested in the subject. And it's like, and to me, it seems to be the most exciting, most interesting thing on the planet right now in terms of who we are and what we're doing here and who we're living here with potentially. And so many people are just, nope, not interested, not at all, carry on. And it's just it's just funny how we're wired differently. But Andy, I had not heard that. I'll look it up. That sounds really, really interesting. Yeah, and for anyone else, it was at Tiny Klaus on the 5th of December, because this will be going out a few weeks after. Quite an interesting passage in the books available on uh, Amazon. And while we're talking, I'll just check. It is called uh, The NASA Conspiracies, The Truth Behind the Moon Landings, Censored Photos and the Face on Mars by Nick Redfern. So that might be one worth checking out, even as a bit of a toilet read. Not to be disparaging, but you know, that kind of book you can pick up and put down. So so yeah, pretty cool. But listen, Brennan, been awesome speaking with you. Thank you very much for coming on at short notice as well. Uh, we'll get on to our next caller, which is Christian from the UAP database. But as always, Brennan, wonderful chatting and hope to speak to you again soon. We will soon. Thanks, Sandy. Take care. Hi everyone, if you listen to the podcast on an Apple device, you can support directly by going on to Apple Podcasts and clicking the subscribe button, and for less than the price of a coffee per month, you can get early access to episodes, episodes in full, and no adverts or sponsorships like this one you're hearing now. It also supports directly to me at the podcast, so thank you very much. Also, don't forget to go and leave the podcast on Apple a five-star review, and make sure you click the follow button too. Thanks. Next up on the call-in, we go from Vermont in Canada over to Denmark. And I've got Christian on the podcast with me from UAP Database, UAPDB.com. Christian, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Andy. Uh, Christian, you've been doing some great work with the website. If Again, if anyone's not seen it, it's UAPDB.com which is a bit of a take on IMDb, which is a great website for movies. Yeah. But uh, you've you've got the UAP version, don't you? So uh, tell us a little bit about the website and how it came about. Yeah, I, I started uh, a, a Facebook group uh, about seven years ago. 
and put a, a lot of things on the uh, Facebook group for people to to see any information on uh, UFOs. And uh, then I had the idea, I wanted to be searchable. So any information I put on the Facebook page couldn't be searched because there was too many. And I wanted a database where you can go and find things on UFOs. Uh, you, you can type in anything uh, and uh, related to UFOs and you will get the result. Uh, and I had a friend that uh, could help me uh, program this uh, database. And we spent about two years uh, on, on before we get live. And when we got live, I was uh, uh, introducing it uh, on um, Luis Elementus. Celebrity review. Oh, Luis Jimenez, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, then, then I had uh, many things go on it as as it progressed. Uh, this uh, UAP uh, situation now because it was UFOs. Now it's UAPs. Mm -hmm. You know because of. Uh, what happens in 2017 with uh, uh, articles and then it it's really got big the database quickly um, because of all the news articles on, on the web page uh, I have um, got a lot of um, different kind of UFO information like books uh, or all kinds of books from from really good researchers and I also got cases of um, uh, most mostly the, the famous cases uh, in in the ufology um, and again uh, then conference documentaries, a podcast, uh, something I call research news, um, where I put all the uh, your your uh, site, uh, your interviews, uh, all all the famous uh, interviewers uh, on on YouTube and podcast I put there, and then I got uh, also. Um, sci-fi movies, TV series, websites, and YouTube channels. Well, I can see I've got the, the main page open and it's it's a fantastic glance at what's up to date as well because straight away yeah. you've got some some information on the conferences that are happening just now or soon. You've got yeah. the Chris Bledsoe book, UFO of God, which is due out. It's been delayed slightly. I think that's coming out now in January when it was meant to be out in December. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, and you've got, I can see my podcast on there, Ryan Sprague, Summer in the Skies. You've got articles from Disclosure Team, 
yeah, so there's a lot of really good work and it's very up to date. So people often get in touch with me and ask me, you know, if they've not heard a breakdown or they're, they're not too sure of the latest news. I think it's a great website to go to, to get an idea of what's happening right now, you know, today, yesterday and last week. Yeah. And if if you also use the search bar uh, on the page and you type in an uh, URL, uh, any any URL, uh, CNN.com, uh, you will get all what they have on their website uh, linked linked up. Also, um, I have in some of my text um, on those uh, links, like uh. If if you type uh, cnn.com, you will get also uh, other sites uh, shown, but that's because uh, I have uh, links to cnn.com in those links. Mm. So so when they reference to an article on cnn.com, then it will get through in that. I have just taken a snippet of what the, the article is about, and then you can read more uh, when clicking the link. That That's good, because I've just clicked on, uh, I've seen my own organization with Dan and Vinny and Dave and Graham and Ryan yeah. at UAP Media UK, and it was the article, uh, NASA is now taking UFOs seriously, and here's why. And it's got, as you say, it's got a snapshot of the article, but then very kindly you link it to the the original article for people to go and check out as well. And it's got the credit, yeah. which is always, always welcome. Yeah. In, so, your own, in your own research though, Christian, um, what what got you involved in researching the UFO subject? It started quite early for me. When I was about 10 years old, I, I saw close encounters of the first kind. Yeah. And it were the 10 years premiere uh, because in I was just born when the movie came out for the first okay. time. So, yeah. And um, then I just, after the movie, looked out of the window and said, I want to research this. <laughs> I want to find out what, what's going on. And, uh, yeah. Uh, 25 20 uh, 35 years later then uh, still ongoing and more questions <laughs> well i was going to ask that's that's a long time 35 years you've been researching this yeah at, at this point where have you got to what do you think if someone had to ask you that maybe didn't have a big interest in the ufo subject or had had a, a new interest and they asked you what's going on what 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 are ufos what would you say to them um it there is not one conclusive thing because it many things and I will maybe try to put them on my side and look on all the cases and come to their own conclusion. Many times I have been looking at the phenomena and when I was about 
for uh, 14 or something like that and the first Gulf War started, then um, we saw all the stealth fighters. And I just said, wow, there's the UFOs. <laughs> it being in hiding in plain sight, you know, and um, but but then I got just more and more information. Uh, and I, I think, as I said, it's, it's not one thing, it's many things. And it's, it's not just uh, what you call um, aliens. Um, it's, it's more complex than that. And what, what keeps you going? It's been 35 years and you say at this point, you don't have answers. You've got more questions. Is yeah. it just those questions that keep you researching the topic? It, I, I always look for more pieces to the puzzle and I, I like the puzzle. So but, it's, it's like starting out with one jigsaw and finding the pieces, but now you've got yeah. 20 different jigsaws and you're trying <laughs> to find pieces for all of them. I, I think uh i got hundreds with not thousands yeah <laughs> and i haven't even found the corners of the puzzle yet <laughs> <laughs> i like that i like that you know i like my analogies uh, yeah not uh, even finding the corners but it's always a good place to start um christian what's what's next for the website do you plan on keeping updating it and what do you plan on doing with it in 2023 yeah i just um had it updated it was um just renewed uh and i will try to keep up with uh, all things going on in the ufo topic and when there's anything news then i will try to put it up and if people go in the news section then then they can follow the topic quite well well i recommend anyone looking to keep up to date with the latest news find some new podcasts read some new articles uh, you go and check out christian's fantastic website it's uapdb.com and you'll also find the links for it in the description as well also you can follow christian on twitter do you know your twitter handle off the top of your head christian no <laughs> <laughs> but it's uh, you, you, you. I I think it's uh, UAPDB uh, uh, underscore uh, official. official. That's the one. Yeah, yeah. UAPDB underscore official. That's the one. And I'll put the link to that in the description as well. Christian, it's been wonderful to finally speak to you. Um, I've been following you for a while and chatting back and forward. So, um, very best of luck with the website. Thank you, Andy. Have a nice night. I'm going to be completely honest and admit that I do love a bit of cool technology, but not all the best tech is classified. So when Blendjet got in touch about their new Blendjet 2.0, I was very excited to try it out, especially as one of those protein shake people that many folks hate. Just shaking never has the same results as a blender does, let's be fair. 
Blend Jet 2 is portable so you can blend up a smoothie at work, a protein shake at the gym or even a margarita on the beach. It's small enough to fit in a cup holder but powerful enough to blast through tough ingredients like ice and frozen fruit with ease. Blend Jet 2 is whisper quiet so you can make your morning smoothie without waking up the whole house, a big one for me folks, and it lasts for 15 or more blends and recharges quickly via USB-C. Best of all, Blend Jet 2 cleans itself, just blend with water, a drop of soap and you're good to go. With over 30 colours available, there are something for everyone. Personally, I'm a huge fan of the carbon fibre. What are you waiting for? Go to blendjet.com and grab yours today and be sure to use the promo code THATUFO12 to get 12% off your order and free two-day shipping. No other portable blender on the market comes close to the quality, power and innovation of the Blendjet 2. They guarantee you'll love it or your money back. Blend anytime, anywhere with the Blendjet 2 portable blender. Go to blendjet.com and use the code THATUFO12 to get 12% off, remember folks, and that free two-day shipping. Shop today and get the best deal ever. Hi, Ed. I'd like to tell you a story uh, from when I was a kid. Uh, I was about 14. And the reason I've decided to share it is because I've realised that if we really want to open the topic about disclosure and get the ball moving forward, um, especially in my country where in Australia it really just doesn't get discussed at all and we've had a couple of senators bring it up in Parliament and it just doesn't get have legs, it gets denied and it's just they have the blinkers on. So I think we have an obligation to share stories regarding UFOs and strange phenomena that can't be explained. Um, I live in a little town called Albury-Wodonga, which is halfway sort of between Melbourne and Sydney. It's in the high country uh, on the Murray River. And there have been a fair few UFO sightings seen over the past sort of 100 years. There was a few in, there was a few reported in the gold rush um, around Beechworth and these gold mining towns. There was like a flurry of, of gold rush um Sightings. And then back in the 50s, they were seen again. Um, one had reported buzzing cattle and landing in a field nearby. And then again, <coughs> there was a sighting uh, in my hometown or within 10 k's of my hometown in 1996 and again in 97. And they were mainly disc-shaped objects. One was like a diamond shape. Um, and I have never met anyone who saw either of these objects. It's it's a report that went through to um, our UFO reporting centre, but I've never met anyone that lives in my town that actually ever talks about it. But the reason that I had an experience around the same time, whether it's connected or not, is probably up for you guys to decide. We, as children, played on the hill. The, the, the town is in a bowl really, surrounded by hills. And it's not a big town. It's probably 15k side to side and surrounded by these hills. And and this particular hill, which is called Fox Hill on the edge of town, used to take us about an hour to hike up. We had a friend that did triathlons. He, he was the fittest guy we knew. He could run up it in about 18 minutes. He was just superbly quick. And... Uh, we were looking at our bedroom window one day with uh, binoculars and a monocular, which is like a little telescope. And we watched a man dressed in 
a bright yellow chemical suit, exactly as you would see in Contagion or some other sort of biohazard movie outbreak, with the big glass visor and the big oversized helmet and the yellow suit. And I saw someone standing on Fox Hill in 45 centigrade degree heat, which is unbearable. And in a plastic suit, you would you could die. It's, that's how hot it gets in Australia. And we watched this man run up the hill in this chemical suit. And he went from the top of the, the bottom of the hill to the top of the hill in like a minute. It was incredible. And the way he moved was what made it so strange. He was running, but he was traveling five or six times more distance than he was actually running. So if you could imagine in an airport, someone runs past you, but they run past you on a travelator. They move a lot quicker than they're actually running. That That's the only way I can really describe it. Kind of like ice skating also. Like you move your legs once, but you cover a large distance. It was a really peculiar thing. And we talked about it. My mate and I saw it. We were just completely perplexed perplexed by this and it was just an incredible thing to see and we couldn't really make sense of it and we really didn't tell anybody which was a strange thing we just it was just too weird it was too out there to sort of try and explain to someone and we were still trying to get our heads around what we had just seen but we elected to go and investigate and go up to the top of the hill and see if we could find any tracks or anything strange about it we knew the hill like the back of our hand. We used to spend weekends and all our school holidays in this hill camping and um, catching rabbits. And we knew where all the water holes were and all the caves and all the springs and everything. And up the top of this hill, there was a plateau the size of like a football pitch. And that's where this thing ran over into. And we spent like an hour with backpacks and food and supplies and maybe even some camping gear up to the top of the hill with the intention to go over the top and investigate. And I thought, man, maybe there's like a UFO up there. That was what I was thinking. I'm like, imagine looking over the top and there's a giant silver disc. And we walked for an hour and we got up to the top and we were within about 20 metres of rounding the top. And I can't tell you how much effort this involved. It's in 40 degree heat. Walking up a hill like that is really hard work. It's oppressive heat. And so we've got all this time invested in getting up there and we got to within 20 metres of the top of the hill and we just both had this overwhelming grief, despair type feeling come over us and a real disgusting sort of repulsive feeling as we sort of got towards the top of the hill. It's, it was so, it was a really strange feeling and I've never had it before or since. It had little pieces of everything, and we just had the overwhelming urge to get out of there. And um, we were both pretty headstrong guys, and we would always want to look tough in front of each other. And we both, at the same time, looked at each other and said, I don't really want to go over there. And my mate said, I don't really want to go over there either. And so we walked home, sort of not really talking. And yeah. And this is the first time I've told it really um, to anybody. And I'd be really fascinated to hear if anyone has had a similar experience. It was something I can't explain. And 
I will think about it until the day I die. Uh, thanks again. And um, I look forward to listening to more. And finally, on the listener call-in for this month, we are going to Idaho in the USA, and we have Brandy on the line. Brandy, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. It's very good to have you on. Um, Listen, you've been waiting a few days now to come on. We've been rearranging a time, haven't we? Um, With the difference and all that kind of stuff. And it is morning where you are um, as we record. So you want to talk about your own experiences with UFOs, don't you? Correct. So the floor is yours, Brandy. Go for it. All right. So um, the first one I saw was back in September of 2016. I had just been fired from my full-time job. I had a part-time one, but um, I let the cats outside to go play at the neighbors and my back was hurting. So I thought, well, I'm just going to go out and hang with the cats and lie on the ground to try and let the earth energy help my back a little bit. And when I do this, I was looking up at the sky, watching the planes go by because I'm always curious you know I think about oh what are those people going and so I watched one plane go by from my left to my right and I noticed when it was on the right side that there's this little white dot that was flying up there and with the peripheral you know you can kind of tell when something's close or far away and I could tell it was way up there and it was flying from my right to my left and I had this thought to say something so in my head I thought hello can you stop and the thing slowed down and it started doing like zigzags and crazy eights and zigzags and just going all over the place. And then I had a thought, I said, thank you and goodbye. And it stopped doing what it was doing. And then it headed off in the direction of my head instead of continuing left like it did. So that was my first one. I thought that was pretty awesome. And no one will ever convince me otherwise that that was not a UFO just because of how it interacted with me. Let me ask you just because that's really interesting. Just to ask you on the first one. So, that's something that a lot of people talk about when it comes to CE5 or human initiated, you know, whatever you want to call it. The idea that you as an individual can physically stop one of these things with a connection, you know, it knows you're there, you know, it's there is some people find that difficult, don't they? Because it's almost a a sense of ego that why would something be traveling across the vastness of space, time and whatever it might be yet, it chooses to stop because you you want it to do you think it's because it's physically there or do you think this is something potentially and I've mentioned this before with my own sighting back in the 90s that maybe only you could see that object and that again if other people were looking up at that point in the sky but in you know similar location to yourself but different distances what if they all tried to do that at the same time and it makes me wonder do, do you see these things because of a certain time and place that's what I think. I because I I'm pretty certain if I hadn't lost my full time job, I wouldn't have been out there to see it. And I've asked people, you know, I don't know if you've heard of beings like Bashar or um, like Seth, you know, these channeled beings. And a lot of them talk about how when we see these things, it's actually just kind of a version of our future self or a connection to our future self. And that's why I would I was able to communicate with it because it was kind of technically a. a a connection to myself so I don't know if that makes sense or yeah it does yeah I get it recently on the discord chat some of us were mentioning recently the idea that ETs was it Gary Nolan was talking recently on Jimmy Church I think it was Gary Nolan and he mentioned that ETs aliens and such are representing the way they do 
they're they're almost avatars and it's not how they look and it's how different species or non-human intelligences are choosing to show themselves to us and that's not necessarily how they how they look so yeah i i could i can understand that i can definitely see that yeah, so to me, it's kind of a couple of things because, you know, like I said, like even if I hadn't had my cats going out to play that day, I probably wouldn't have gone over to the neighbor's house to be looking up in the sky. So, I mean, it's just a lot of synchronistic things that occurred for me on that particular day to actually just even be there to to see it. So it seems to me it was meant for me to see that day, probably no one else, but who knows, someone else may have been looking up. But um, So, yeah. Um, so the second one occurred in July of 2020. And it was really early in the morning because I was, I had two jobs at the time, but I was laid off from my one at um, a rental agency at the airport. So, but I still got up really early in the morning for my other job. And um, so I, when I worked at Enterprise, I kind of have an idea of how the airport works because it's a small airport. So I know kind of how early the planes come in and that. And so, and I also had this cat, it's a cat again that the routine was when I get up in the morning, she hops up on my lap and I give her a belly rub for a few minutes. So that's what we were doing. It was like 3.30 in the morning and I was just looking out my window and I see this light coming towards me. It was kind of more like just one light, like a spotlight type thing up in the sky. And my thoughts were, wow, it's kind of early for a plane to come in and it's also going in the wrong direction. So I just kept watching it and I noticed it it kind of stopped coming towards me and kind of veered off to my right a little bit. And then it just stopped up in the sky and just stayed there. I thought, wow, that's interesting. But I did the same thing of, you know, trying to communicate with, Hey, can you do something? Then it didn't do it. But this time it just stayed up in the sky when I thought that is extremely odd. Again, how, how did these affect you? Was there any connection you feel between either of them because of something you were going through or you were meant to see them or was it more of, did they have an impact afterwards? Um, they didn't really have an impact afterwards other than of my knowing that, well, you know, they, they're, I'm connected to them in some way that they're coming into my reality because I've wanted for years and years and years to see them. And I think maybe that's also part of why they're doing is because I've been asking for it to happen. But it's also my frame of mind. I think of just at the time that I'm seeing them, I'm not actually wanting to see them I'm not thinking about it it's just I'm kind of relaxed in what I'm doing at the time which seems to revolve around my cats but and no no attempt at filming taking pictures or was that not something that came across no I tried with the one it in 2020 with my camera my phone but it was at nighttime and it just looked when I took with my camera it just looked like it was another star up in the sky except that it was really bright compared to the other stars around it and to be fair many people say and I know for myself with my second sight in, in 2019 that you, your instant thought isn't always to grab a camera or even though it's there especially now when they're in your pocket that you don't instantly go to that do you and maybe it's the experience the moment the time but it, like you say it's it's very personal and it has been for you yeah, I mean, at the time, I was just, you know, doing my normal routine of just petting my cat, and I didn't really want to throw her off my lap to go grab my phone. I said, let me just keep petting. Let me see what the what the light does. Maybe it'll do something funky. And I just I just wanted to take it in at that point without thinking, oh, my God, I got to try to get this as evidence for other people's like, this is kind of just meant for me right now. And I was definitely glad that I got to see it. And 
So positive sightings, you had a nice feeling during it, calmness. Both of them are relatively at a distance as well. It wasn't like very up close. But for you, there were nice experiences and you would welcome those types of things again. Absolutely. I'm eager for the next one to occur. Well, and like you say, interesting you say that both of them occurred at times where you weren't looking for that, you weren't hoping for that. And some people that are very keen on seeing UFOs, I've had listeners come on say they're desperate to see one and they feel that's why they don't because they're so, they, they want to go out, they want to look up the sky and see something and maybe it's just that moment you're not expecting. Like for you, th- those things kind of popped into view. So uh, I wish you the best in seeing those again, Brandy. It's uh, been great talking to you. And I want to ask Brandy um, one thing because we're pr- approaching the end of the year. And it'd be a nice way to kind of finish. I'm hopefully going to do another call in before the end of the year. But if I don't, you'd be the last one. What are your hopes for the UFO subject going into 2023? That it becomes more and more um, acceptable um, among everybody. That I don't want it to be an all out, all of a sudden, boom, it's out there. I think it needs to be kind of a more slow integration into society so that people don't freak out and that it'll eventually a lot more people will start seeing it, realizing what it is, accepting it, and that on a grand, like, mass consciousness level, we'll all accept it, and they'll eventually start coming, and we'll have more proof, physical, undeniable proof of their existence, and that they're not here to harm us, but they're here to help us. That's a pretty sensible, logical way of looking at it, and probably a realistic way too, Brandy. I agree. Lovely speaking with you, and hope to do so again in a future call-in. Absolutely. Look forward to it and have a great day. That is all for this week's show. Thank you very much for listening. Please remember to leave the podcast a review on your chosen platform. You can like, retweet and subscribe. That would all be very much appreciated. The shows are being uploaded onto YouTube as we speak more and more. You can sign up at patreon.com forward slash that UFO podcast to access shows ad free as well. Please get in touch on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, that UFO podcast. Of course, on Twitter, it's at UFO, U-A-P-A-M. And again, folks, as always, keep looking up. You never know what you might see. It wasn't a tic-tac and not quite a saucer, more like a hubcap designed by Chaucer, a little Baroque and quite steampunk, like Alice was playing bass for the Parliament of Fuck. The little fucker hovered right inside of my window, and when I shoved out the screen, he made it an issue. I don't think he expected me to see his ass, but I'd had some champagne and